0: This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Ann Nicholson-Weber, and my guests are Nick Sands, Annabelle Armour, and Patrick Clear, all three of whom are involved in the production of Edward Albee's Seascape, being produced at Remy Bumpo. Uh, Nick is the director, Annabelle and Patrick are two of the four cast members. And I brought this crew together to talk about Albee in general, their... Experience, collective experience with, uh, Edward Albee is extensive. Mm-hmm. And I think he's such an interesting and distinctive writer. And I'm interested in trying to explore what makes Albee Albee and what you have all learned about doing Albee. Mm-hmm. So maybe the place to start would just be to talk briefly about, um, each of your histories with the playwright. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about what that has garnered you in the way of insights so patrick
1: yeah i just done the two as an actor uh, i did the, the goat at the goodman years ago and uh now this one
0: uh-huh nick
2: um having done the goat uh two years ago here for remy bumpo uh, that was my only acting i've also directed the zoo story many years ago i keep forgetting that i've directed that show it was one of the first directing things i did in america and then uh I've also done fights for, I did the fights for the Albie Festival at the Goodman and the recent Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at Steppenwolf. Mm. So I've done about eight or nine shows of his working in across mm. the all context. aspects.
3: Right, yeah. right. Uh, and I, over the last, uh, two, two years, have gone to do three of them, the Seascape being the third. Mm. So I'm going backward now. Um, Nick and I got to do, um, The Goat, or Who is Sylvia. Uh, before that, I got to open that season, um, with Dennis Zacek directing, um, Tom Amandis, and myself in, um, At Home at the Zoo, which is Albie's, uh, newer rendition. He took Zoo Story and, um, made it into a two-act play. So he added a first act to that. Um, and before that with Remy Bumpo got to do a uh, delicate balance.
0: Mm which is
3: a production I remember well and thought was amazing.
0: So whenever you, well, I don't know if it's true for everybody, but I feel like when you're in an Albie play, you're in a very particular world and particular use of language in, in particular. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, you just sound like an Albie play right there. It's probably the most difficult uh, set of lines to learn I've ever had mm. between the goat and this one because it is so... It is so scored like a musical score, and you just you just don't have any wiggle room.
0: You you got to get every word
1: and we- every pause, and you got to observe what's what's a pause, what's a slight pause, what's a dot mm-hmm. dot dot, what's a silence there. Mm-hmm. there very so it's a very kind of controlling
0: musical. playwright in that sense. Yeah.
2: He's mm-hmm. always in, in your head. You never get to lose the text. I mean, mm-hmm. be I, I found having done The Goat, acting it is far more frustrating than directing it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. acting it, because there are so many cycles. You, all of his plays work in sort of cycles of rhetoric. And so you are saying the same thing again with small variations. And the small variations are, seem to be minor, but they are absolutely specific. Mm-hmm. And they are there for a reason. And your job, because he never, he hates to talk about the place. Your job is to dig into why these things are there. Because mm-hmm. there isn't a li- really a linear reason why it's got to be a psychological reason why. And that gives you, that gives you the wiggle room in a certain way. But the text itself is so demanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and will drive you insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You end up cursing and swearing and throwing things at the wall just because it takes so much effort to get the text in your body. Um But I think that's what makes him brilliant, I mean, to a certain extent. There's no other text I've worked with um, that dr- works you in the same way.
3: Yeah, yeah, somebody asked this question in a talk back on Sunday of what other writer would you compare in terms of uh, all these use of music and um rhythm and it is a musical score we all Mm. keep talking about it that way um and really the only person i come up with is shakespeare Mm. that that it is it is so um it's so rhythmic and there are some things that you have to learn in it that you you just learn the rhythm to it Mm. and once you learn the rhythm to it it tells you what it's about you don't. You can't come at it with, oh, this is what I want to do with this because he's defined it. Mm. Um, it there's a silly. It's not a silly line. It's a, it's a wonderful line within the play. But it's a, a, a point at which the Nancy character gets mad at Charlie and says, "Well, we'll wrap you in the flag when you're gone and do taps." And that's how I had to learn it was to say, well, we'll wrap you in the flag when you're gone and do taps that it has. It has <laughs> mm-hmm. this funky rhythm mm-hmm. that goes. And I wanted to add in other words. Well, we'll wrap you up in the flag and do taps when you're gone. You know, I, you can, you can't mess around with it. Uh-huh. It leads you to what it is that it wants to say.
1: And there's also, a, there's just a kind of, East Coast sound too. Mm-hmm. too. There's a, some of the phraseology seems almost English.
0: It's arch. There's an arch quality. Mm-hmm. Particularly yeah. when I first come into an Albie play, it takes my ear a little while to get acclimated. When I'm first listening, it seems maybe stilted or artificial, and then it's, which is true, in, in, not that Shakespeare sounds stilted or artificial, but it sounds foreign. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a way that you have to adjust your ear to it. I yeah. think.
2: Well, one of, one of the parts of the, I mean, it is. It's also deceptively simple compared to, say, Shakespeare. When you're walking Mm -hmm. into Shakespeare, you know that the vocabulary is huge and less repetitious, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. that the words themselves have a certain muscularity. With Albie, you're using modern English. Or modern American English. So you really don't have that clue that you're in a different world. Mm-hmm. So the right. language is deceptively simple. Right. It's not simple at all. Right. All of his plays are deceptively simple, and mm-hmm. which is why I think he's very controlling of the rights of the plays, because they can be done badly, easily, mm-hmm. because if you just ride the surface, that's all you'll get. But there are so many clues in those changes of rhythm, in those repetitions of where the emotion sits. So for me, he's more like, I mean, he's... He's one of the, the disciples, I would say, or the 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 foster children of Beckett, because um, mm-hmm, Beckett introduced right. them. When uh, Stephen Ray, the great Irish actor, talks about um, when working with Beckett, Beckett, Beckett said, "Forget about meaning. Don't play for the meaning. Mm. Play for the rhythm. Mm-hmm, right. The rhythm was more important." And and so if you hear that in 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 Pinter and and Shepard, all of whom, like Albee, are sort of disciples of what Beckett did, you know, they're writing a type of a completely different play because language is the enemy to a certain extent, language gets in the way of feeling um, because language has lost meaning anyway in the 20th century. So you have that, that idea that what I'm actually saying is only half the picture. So the words themselves seem simple, but why they're there in that order is what you have to find out mm-hmm. in whatever that crazy order is. And so, it's, it's, that's why it's great for actors and why it's such a challenge. Because you want to get in there and create this string quartet, this piece of amazing mm-hmm. syncopated jazz that it's giving you and it, you want to find when it clicks, uh, we talk about riding the wave in Albie, in the fact that once it clicks, once you find the rhythm, you have to ride it like a surfboard. It will take you wherever it goes, and it will take you there emotionally, like Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, up to that point, you will be fighting it constantly, yeah. and, and beating yourself up, um, mm-hmm. because you just know you're not on it yet. And you feel it when you're on it.
1: And it's fair, this makes it particularly difficult to rehearse rhythmically, because it's so funny. And If we don't, you don't know where the laughs are going to be until Mm. you get into previews and you start, because the audience really is the partner in that way in terms of creating that rhythm where these laughs are in there. I mean, I've never had experience like we had in the goat of feeling the audience going from being aghast to just falling on the floor laughing,
2: you know, back and forth, back and forth
1: like a a ping pong match. Mm -hmm.
2: And that's his great skill for me. I mean, one of the things, other thing I think which is makes him unusual in American writing. Is, and what makes him feel East Coast or even English is the, his amazing sense of irony. Uh, he uses irony in a laser-like way which reminds you of English writing mm. far more than most American writing. Mm-hmm. And there's also a, a, an
1: attitude that, that the characters have towards their own emotional life that seems more English than American does. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. In what way? Well, there's are there, somewhat holding it to at, at arm's length. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, talk about when because th- this s- this lands for me because my experience of Albie, what makes me delight in it, is it's a kind of a poetic um logic mm-hmm. rather than a psychological logic. So I'm using poetic, maybe the way you're using musical, exact, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um But that must. It seems to me that would then require a different. Approach in rehearsal. I mean, you have to make sense of it psychologically. I assume, but then there's something else you have to do. And you've talked about finding the wave, riding the wave. But, but in terms of preparation and in terms of how you rehearse, is mm-hmm. there anything that you can do to help you find that? Well,
1: two things. I, I say one. One, you just really have to trust your director because you're you're not going to know what it is. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was saying one of the, one of the talkbacks that it's, this play reminds me, and, and the go to the same thing, where you, you hit two keys on a piano, and you hear a third tone. Mm-hmm, that, that's not in the, that's not on the keyboard. That the play evokes things yes. that cannot be said. That's a good analogy. And a lot of that happens in the silences. Mm-hmm. Um, so you absolutely have to, to trust that something's, you know, something's being evoked, because you're not, not necessarily sure what it is. Right. The other thing, and this is something I've been doing the last, I don't know, 10 years, I guess, is uh, I learned these lines orally rather mm. than visually, mm-hmm. so I put them on a micro cassette recorder uh-huh. and I play in my ear so that I I I approach it uh, how it sounds rather than what it looks like.
0: Yes. So you record it yourself in your own voice, mm-hmm. and do you record it kind of monotone, or do you allow yourself? No,
1: I try to make 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 sense of the whole thing. Um, so you're so
0: in a, I, the reason I asked is because I could. That might have the effect of baking in an interpretation that you've heard it so many times a particular way. Well, you know,
1: if you look at the text, he's very controlling about was the italicized word mm. almost every line he tells you. Cause you know, he directed right. this and uh, he likes to direct his own things. He's telling you what the operative word is. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um. So th- that's fine to bake it in. You th- need to. I think so. In, but
3: in some senses, it's really important that when you're running it that way, mm-hmm. that you, that you hit the right words, that you do. Let yourself know, oh, that, that, that is the one to go for because it's not always intuitive. Right. Sometimes it feels like the exact opposite of what you think it should be, mm-hmm. but he's italicized. And you have to you've
1: go got for like it. have three variations of the same line yeah. happening over and over again. He'll tell you on each case, which is the word he thinks should be mm, italicized,
2: right. you know. The and word. he'll tell you if it doesn't want to change too. Like, like for Sean, the, the younger actors in the company, I think it's the first time they've dealt with a text like this and. It was just fascinating watching them struggle with no, no, that I is a size You have to stress the I in that right. sense. Mm-hmm. Because, and he and they just come out of training like Sean Paris is one of my ex students. So you know where you try and avoid stressing the pronoun because mm-hmm. that's right, bad right. acting. Right. But it says no, I wanted it. He's got to say I wanted it, not I wanted it. You know right. it's, it's things like that, which are right in the text. And he has the line to 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 Charlie when he says, "Whose theory is it?" And he's and it's is is a talcized, but. He always wants to say, whose theory is it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, whose theory is it? Is it? Mm-hmm. Whose theory is it? Yeah. yeah. There
3: was yeah. a, when we were in uh, rehearsals for At Home at the Zoo, Dennis, at the beginning of every rehearsal of, of each act, would have what he called um, uh, radio play. And it would just be us sitting and doing it with a stage manager mm. saying, mm, no, the stress is on they. Mm-hmm. And you would go back and you would do it. And we would do that every single day mm-hmm. of rehearsal mm-hmm. because it's so precise. Yeah. And if you get off, if you don't have someone, a director, someone saying, no, 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 you got to right. go back and find your way back into this. Right. Um, you can, you can get lost. It, gets out of you. We, we
1: had uh, Jennifer, our assistant stage manager, was giving us line <laughs> notes great. through rehearsal. And I started calling her <laughs> Sister Mary Jennifer because she was like really honest. <laughs> but the one that drove me crazy because the one that's just, I've got a stage direction, Charlie sighs. <laughs> and she didn't like the way I sighed so i got a I got a line note that I paraphrased.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess because I, I think one day you went, oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 She, yeah, yeah, she yeah. didn't yeah. like to like, see <laughs> <laughs> It just says "sigh," yeah, just, just and, sigh.
3: Don't yeah.
2: just I mean, be and that's the thing. Albie's text is always in your head, and 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 for partly because of those things, that his text is so orchestrated on the page, where he uses italicizing, where he uses capital letters, where he uses punctuation, particularly ellipses. um but I think it's, it's also about the fact that he, he uses a huge number of um, stage directions or directorial stage directions, whimsically, hmm. says this. like And those can be a really bad thing. Yes. Uh, most of the time they are a bad thing. Right. Some of the time they give you a real secret to a turn. You
0: mean from other writers they can be a bad
2: thing. Yes, and also from Mr. Orby, I have to say. You'll go that far. Because <laughs> you read it when you start using it, because he's actually right. Often the time he says, oh, I see what he wants here. Nancy, gaily laughs and says this thing. Now, what you get is, okay, he wants something like that, but why it's happening and where that's going and what it comes from is up to you Mm -hmm. to find out. Unfortunately, it will then be a five- or six-line speech, and that you may read that as, oh, that's supposed to cover this whole speech. It's Mm -hmm. usually just covering the first Mm -hmm. phrase of the speech. Mm -hmm. Then it's supposed to go somewhere else. It's how you attack the speech. Mm -hmm. So it can be misleading that you think, oh, the character's just laughing this thing off. It's as opposed to finding a way into the speech that sort of yeah. takes a sideways entrance rather than. But you're uncomfortable
3: it. coming into yeah. the speech. Mm-hmm. So you're laughing or giggling over that. But then it's, it's really because there's some meat to get to there that really means something that feels dangerous to mm-hmm. be talking about. So it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's those situations when. Gaily doesn't really mean. Yeah, okay. No, but, but, you know, in, yes. initially, it, it actually kind of does. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you, when you're in, uh, I told the story during rehearsal of a really dire family situation that we were in. Um, and, and a family member who walked into the middle of this, who was just going to be blindsided. And he, um, one of my other siblings could not bear the tension in the room and instead of carrying on the um the real solemnity of what was going on sort of jumped up saying hey oh.
1: man how you do right.
3: <laughs> he's la and and we're all looking at him thinking you have now completely lost your head and mm-hmm. it was just and then he just he stopped it was as if he ran into a brick wall uh-huh. because he just he couldn't handle couldn't do it both. emotionally right. so I, that's what most uh-huh. of all, this stuff for for Nancy when she's laughing gaily mm-hmm. um, is to to not have to go where this road is leading, right. but right. she has to go. And interestingly,
1: you know, the, uh, the the version of, of the other half of this play, which you can introduce, but all over, <laughs> and I was one of the few people who actually saw that on Broadway, um, was kind of a snooze. But mm-hmm. there is a section where I mean, it's a, it's a they're all just waiting for this person to die. That's mm-hmm. the his other play, all over. And there's a point where they all
2: just, they start laughing, hysterically.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 Which it's The makes one good scene in the sense. show. Yeah, it's the one Yeah. Good. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the other thing about it, obviously, mm-hmm. Albie insists in his, in his contract for these shows that there are five weeks of rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And when we started the Remy Bumpo, we had, we, James Bonham, the founding director, um, insisted we had five weeks of rehearsal for every show. And it makes a huge mm-hmm. difference. Yep. Um, but Albie puts that in. You need five weeks, and you so he need, knows. You need to live yeah. in these people. You do, well, absolutely. You need to find their individual rhythms and find his text. And you know, I, I working on the goat. I have. I'm one of the fastest people usually off book on any text. Doesn't matter what it is. Shakespeare, you know, Noel Coward. I can learn three hours of Blythe Spirit in. I had what was it? It's hateful. Uh, for, for it's first, it's hateful. first Folio. We did it in 13 days of rehearsal mm-hmm. before first pre- preview, um, and that's no problem. It took me till the day before tech for Mm -hmm. doing the GOAT to be able to say, I think I know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. now. Um, That's how intricate the script is and and how demanding.
0: Well, do you have to find a psychological or emotional sense to it or not? Is it okay to essentially do it almost by rote, by Mm -hmm. the musicality of it, and let it land because he says it'll work?
1: But it's, you know, it's a different kind of, a different kind of psychological sense to it. It's, it's it's not necessarily rational. Mm -hmm. You know, that I feel there are certain transitions in this show that I just go, I really understand that, or like, I don't know how I even explain it to myself, but it's not, it's not like doing Arthur Miller, where you go, "Oh, he said this because this, this, this." And this. He and wants that. It's, and- it's not like a DA summation to the jury. You can explain the motivation, but right. th- th- that one thing does tend to lead to another, and you can feel that this. And there are sometimes his odd word choices will signal this as sort of like a light motif, and it's it's triggering something or it's tweaking something mm-hmm. in your mind back to something you said a long time ago or right. somebody else said a long time ago. They're sort of resonating together, so it makes a different kind of sense. Right.
0: Yeah, this that it has its own logic. Well, you yeah. said it, you described
2: it as poetic, and it's poetic symbolism. I mean, a symbol mustn't be explained. Mm. You know, then it, if it's explainable, then it's allegory, and we all know that's kind of two-dimensional compared to true poetic symbolism.
0: Well, talk, um, Nick, about your process as a director. When you, you've had the experience of acting these, a text you did, um, Sylvia uh, go to who Sylvia last year and you said that was very frustrating mm-hmm. so having lived through that coming into this process what did you say to yourself you were going to do to help these poor actors <laughs> so they didn't tear out their hair the way you tore out your
3: hair
2: well James Bonan, who directed The Goat was very very patient with me um, and I was also in another show doing two other jobs all sorts of things so he was very very patient about how tired and you do mentally, we do five-hour rehearsals, uh-huh. and that is the maximum with this text. Yeah. At the end of five hours, your brain is dead. Mm-hmm. Rather than doing six- or eight-hour rehearsal days, day, it's just like, no, five hours is it. Mm-hmm. And that's and it, because
0: of the precision. Because, because of the precision, so it's tight. so
2: demanding. Your mm-hmm. mind is so focused. You cannot sit back and not be focused. You just mm-hmm. cannot be on that stage without having to do it. Every bit of you has to be listening one hundred twenty-five percent as you're doing it, and which is like it's the ultimate sort of acting exercise, um, and that's great. While trying to be relaxed and trying to be in the moment and do all the mm-hmm, other things, mm-hmm. so no, I mean, to me, the first thing to do is be extremely patient with your actors and know mm-hmm. that they're going to get frustrated with themselves and never let that get, never let them get in their own way with the frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep the joy in the room; let it be happy. And say this is what happens in the right. process of doing Albie. Of course, you're frustrated. Of course, you should frustrated. be frustrated. Well, it's good for you. And <laughs> also that
3: it's that it's interesting because I remember, especially in in the goat, um, it, they you, you can you can go down so many bad roads with Albie. Right. It's mm. really easy to go down a bad road and walk away at the end of the day and just hang your head, saying, "I'm such a bad actor." Mm. I, I you know if they didn't know me and love me. They would fire me. I would be gone. <laughs> and you guys, both you and James uh, were, and it are always tremendously, um, trusting
1: mm.
3: of the fact that you have to go through this process to get there. You, I don't think there's anybody who starts out doing all be well. <laughs> yes. Right.
2: Oh, yes. I know how to do this. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm um, a professional The actor. No, exactly. <laughs> well, John Thank Gilbert you.
1: said, you know, he never understood. What Tiny Owls was about. <laughs> right, right. And
2: then they asked him after five years of not talking to each other, he asked him to direct, direct. all over. Oh, oh wow. Uh, which Gilgud sort of, was in, and he turned to, um, one of the actresses was talking to him during the first read throughs or whatever, and turned to Albie, and the actress turned to Albie and said, Just tell me what, what is going on in the scene? Would you tell me what is going on in the scene? And <laughs> Albie turned to Gilgud and said, Well, John, um, I think you can back me up here and said, "Oh no, I don't know. <laughs> no idea, no idea." <laughs> and that's okay, and that's okay. <laughs> for right now. Exactly. That's I mean, if okay. you think about *Delicate Balance*, which is such a brilliant play, he in that play explains nothing mm. for any of the characters. You know, <laughs> that's the whole point. It's unexplainable. Um,
0: go back though. I'm going to make yes. you go back to the process as the director. You have to be right. very patient. Right. What else? You've done this from both sides. What would you tell other neophyte Albie directors to have in mind? Does they And they have to have five, or five weeks of rehearsals. Yeah, five weeks of rehearsal. Well, that's they the have contract to, if they're in right. a
2: union contract. Um, no, I would say that the, the, the other part of it is allow the actors to fail. Mm. But always think about the musicality. You come back to the rhythm of the show. That you have to buy your slow with your fast. You have to buy the soft with the loud. You have to buy. There are balances in every one of his shows. And however dark you go, like we're talking about the goat, if you want to go really dark, you have to give yourself the light so that the dark is the contrast. Mm-hmm. And you can, you, if you want to have a section that's kind of fun, then you're going to overbalance the play. If that's kind of fun, this has got to be terrifying. Really this one has to be terrifying. You have to mm-hmm. earn your fun. And I think every one of his plays works like that. And normally, the theme of the play is also the structure of the play. In all the plays I've worked on his text, it's so amazingly well-crafted.
0: So talk about that with Seascape. What?
2: Charlie, Charlie has a speech, Charlie's big aria speech, because that's where, you know, everything is really, very really, very realistic. And then suddenly characters go off into poetic arias mm-hmm. sort of thing. And that's where you get your poetry in a different way. Um, but Charlie's aria is about, um, this is one of the images that works on structure, is about going down, sinking to the bottom mm-hmm. of the sea with taking down two stones and staying for as long as he can and then coming back up. That's exactly how the characters work emotionally. That they play about on the surface and then they decide to take the big dive into the topic that nobody wants to talk about. And they stay down there as long as they can, Mm -hmm. and then they let the stones go, and they rise to the surface. Mm -hmm. So they can survive and carry on with their lives.
0: So when you... Let's just go quickly back to one thing you've talked about several times, which is the precision, because I'm fascinated by how you get past the impediment to freedom that that must create for the actors.
2: Well, I guess
1: you just... you, You have to program... You know, you the character's inner life, so what results is what's on the page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You sort of re, you're backward engineering it. So how rapidly does he think about something or where, you know, if I've got a brief interruption in the middle of one of Nancy's line, then the, then I have to, I have to engineer it so that whatever's triggering my thought happens to happen. In the middle of the line before her last line, so that I know, so mm-hmm. that I, for me, a lot of it is knowing where, it's like music, I have to know where I have to breathe, mm-hmm. where I have to get the thought for my line, where is the, what I always call like the, the tonic breath or the root breath mm-hmm. where you get the first idea. Like when you're scoring Shakespeare, you know, where his end punctuation meets the end of the verse line, that's usually, you let out one breath and you take a new thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that when you have a period in the middle of a line, it's not a new thought, it's just a continuation of the thought that was already there, which is based on the same breath some
0: impulse, some yeah, yeah, got it, got mm-hmm. it and yeah Annabelle.
3: it's uh, the, this seems like actually such a complicated question to me because i'm not I'm not quite sure uh logically how it um how it happens because his words are so precise because his his direction within it is also precise. That when it takes off, it's kind of like really good. This is a silly uh, analogy, but uh, you know, when you start skiing, you start mm-hmm. skiing with snowplows, and snowplow feels terrible. Right. And everybody You're wants to be—you want to be slaloming down right. the slope right. as best you can. Right. Um, and slalom is fantastic, and that is what I think you do with all And if you let your head get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you lose your focus, um, your you ass. will humble, you will fall. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and our job at that point then is to grab it back, um, find the focal point and go right back in, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. to, to, I, I not what to it
0: snowplow it, plow the rest of the way down. Cause you got scared. You can't basically, yeah, because yeah.
3: the play, the play demands yeah. something else. Let, uh, let, so you really can't do that and nor nor can you just lie down in the, the ground and say oops okay well then that's the end right you, ha- I blew you get it. right, it's right back up right, right. right.
2: And repetition and and self-correction is part of his world mm-hmm. so you can do that it you know you don't want to do it but you can do it as an actor right. if you get derailed you can sort of get back on i, I think my Solution is to hire great actors. <laughs> <laughs> um, hire great actors who you know are going to build an emotional truth. Backwards because that's what rhythm. they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can fight for the rest of it, which is the strange thing in their world, which right. I'm adding all be text into their lives. Right. But what they do so well is be in the moment and create an emotional truth for, this, for the character. Yeah. And then that's the bedrock they're always going to return to. You don't have to worry about it because it's always going to be there because they're good actors.
0: They bring that. Yeah. People talk a lot about what's wonderful about live theater is that it can be different every night, that you can discover something new and go off and do it. Is that not true with these texts because
3: they're so constrained? Oh, I find it just the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, part of this is that you've done your work. Mm -hmm. You've, you've learned it. Um, you know, we both look at it before we, Come to the theater, go over it. You do your warm up, and we've designed through a rehearsal process the handholds of where certain things, in essence, have to happen mm-hmm. for the story to be told correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are never constraints. They're they're points. anchors. Are, mm-hmm. They're anchors. Mm-hmm. That's a great word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that because because the score is so great, there's actually a tremendous freedom in that to discover it every night and trust it, and trust it when something new happens. That you're you're still following the same course. It just it does have a wider berth than you might expect. Mm-hmm,
1: it. mm-hmm. It's like the difference between knowing a series of steps and dancing. Uh-huh. And there's a certain and, or juggling, you know. There's there's mm-hmm. throw catch throw catch throw catch, and all of a sudden you let go and you're juggling. Right. And that there, I think that the 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 key for me between being constrained by this is surrender. Uh-huh. That once once you feel like you've you've become familiar enough with the structure and the precision that he wants that you surrender to it, then you're very free.
2: Uh-huh. I mean, it's just, to me, exactly like Shakespeare in that way, that Shakespeare's language is so structured and so specific and so rhythmic and all those things, but it doesn't stop Shakespeare being one of the freest things you can do. It's exactly what Patrick said. You become the instrument. The tune plays through you. Get out of its way. And the emotions will come because you're saying the right sounds in the right order, um, and you don't have to work it. And as soon as you start fighting and working it, yeah. it goes away.
1: That's it. It's like it's like a volleyball game, the difference between just hitting it back and trying to slightly caress the ball and then you <laughs> look like you're hitting it back. So just Hit it back.
2: Right. Just, just hit the damn it back, back. Right. Yes, It's illegal to caress uh-huh. the ball volleyball. It's illegal to caress That's LB's right. language. That's yes. right, exactly.
3: Well, there we'll end.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks,
3: Thanks. Thanks
2: Ann. Great.